0: Praise the Lord. She, uh, when she was talking about the, the CD "Salvation of the Lord," there's no charge for that. Uh, if you want it, we'll give it to you. It was just a, a good word. You know, you know. I preached thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of sermons in the last forty-eight years. Actually, fifty years because I was a youth leader for two years before I went into the ministry, and so I preached every week to the to the youth. So for you know, for fifty years I've been preaching. So there's a lot, I preach lots of sermons. But, you know, there, there's a handful of sermons that when I'm in trouble, I go to, you know, that I use to stay alive, that I use to, to uh, make things work right now for me. And and Salvation of the Lord is one of those that I have used literally around the world. So we just felt that uh, when I did speak, preach that at Eagle Mountain for Pastor George Pearson's and, and Brother Copeland's ministry, then... Uh, we just felt like after we preached it that, you know, we'd, just, we'd like everybody to have that just free for nothing. So, so uh, she didn't say that. She just said, if you want it, write us and we'll send it to you. But, you know, the, I want you to know there's no charge for it. If you, you know, you're not going to get a bill. <clears throat> so uh, just uh, realize that that's, that's um, available to you. You know, I preached a message here numbers of years ago called, uh, Who Do You Say Jesus Is?, And uh, that's one of those messages that I just live every day, every day, every day, every day. I tell Jesus who he is and God who he is and who they are and what they can do. And, and, you know, we we need to make things about the Lord. So many times we make everything about us, me, 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 mine, 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 mine. And so much of our praise and worship, if you go into churches and just listen to the songs, so many of them is about me, 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 and what God can do for me, and what God can do for me, and what God can do for me. But, you know, we we need to make things uh, uh, about the Lord and who he is. And so... So that message, I preached that message. Who do you say Jesus is? I don't know, 20-something years ago, I guess, at a great church in, uh, in Florida, in Miami, Florida. And uh, the Lord gave me the message, and I preached it, and it was just just, just good. It was anointing. You know, some days you preach better than others. and Sometimes you, the anointing shows up more stronger than others. And that was one of those days. It was just really, really good. And as I, as I left the platform that morning, I preached that message, who do you say Jesus is? As I walked off the platform, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and he said, don't sell that message. Give it away. And so we have given that message away and given it away by the thousands and the thousands all over the world. I've gotten on airplanes before and just sat down and some guy across the aisle from me and look over me. I don't know him from anybody. And they look over and they say, excuse me. I say, yes. And they say, who do you say Jesus is? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, um, but there's just some messages that, that, that are words of God that's, that, that will get the job done. Amen. And all the messages are great, and all the messages you hear that are Bible-based are great, and thank God for them. But there's some that, you know, when I get in trouble or when I need something to happen that I I, I just wear out. I just use all the time, and those are those are a couple of those, you know. So uh, uh, anyway, we're, we're glad to be here tonight. We love Mike and Beth and the family, and we love this church. You're a partner of our ministry and help us go around the world. And, and so we, we, we love you. We appreciate you. It's always an honor to be in this pulpit, always an honor to be here. And. And uh, in their absence, Mark and Jackie and have taken care of us and, and been with us and taken us to eat and picked us up at the airport on a late-night run. Of course, I told somebody, I said, I'm tired. Mark wouldn't give us, he wouldn't take us to the hotel until after midnight the other night. So, of course, I didn't tell us because our plane didn't get in until five hours late. But, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, Jason, Gallon, stand up. Jason's a good friend of mine, and uh, thank you, sir. And he and his dad are in the ministry. His dad pastors the church. And is it Torrance? I always mix up Palos Verdes and Torrance. Okay, thank you. And Jason also is, in fact, I'm going to be at their church in a couple of weeks, but you all aren't invited because you've got church. And, in fact, he wrote me and, and said, hey, I'm going to see you tonight at uh, at, at Foothill. And, I, and, and I, I told Renee, I said, well, I started to text Jason two or three days ago and told him I was going to be out here. And I said, oh, they've got Sunday night of service. He can't come. So I guess he's AWOL or or snuck away or something. But, uh, But anyway, I was just going to say this about Jason. He's got this great, uh, I'll probably say it wrong because I don't know if it's an actual website or just a presence on the web or what, but he's been doing this thing for a number of years now that he calls Faith Anchor. And, of course, I talked about faith anchors today and anchors of faith and having your faith anchor. But he, uh, he uh, just will take, and he does, it's not preaching or anything else. It's just he'll just take some preacher. A lot of times it's Brother Hagan Y'all know Pastor Mike talks about Brother Hagan all the time. It's his Brother Hagan and just different ones, and once in a while it's me and, and his other people you would, you would know and just gives a quote that's just an anchor. It's just a faith anchor. And so, so uh, you ought to go to his, is it just what, com. That it, faith anchor. Just go faith anchor. Y'all ought to go to look dot com, and he just always puts over there that's that's a good word for the day and a good word that somebody, some one of these generals in the faith, have said something that that you can build on and stand on and so on and so forth. Well, stand up with me if you would, and let's get into the word tonight. I asked Mark a while ago how long we could go in the service. And he said, oh go to late fifteen. I said oh that's wonderful. I'm just there thinking that's great. Nobody ever does that. That's a that's a two hour service. And he said oh I made a mistake. Make it seven fifteen. But he's not the boss, so y'all are the boss. You just, do you know, do you know that, thank you, that's sweet. Do you know, do you know that I have made the statement for the pulpits of different churches around the last year? And I I did it a lot at Brother Copeland's at Eagle Mountain uh, this last year, the times I've been preaching there. And I said, the day's coming, the day's coming, you mark my words, the day's coming when the congregation are going to go to the pastor and say, Pastor, we got to have more church. Instead of the other way around, Pastor, hey, y'all, let's come to church. There, it's going to be the congregation. Saying, pastor, we need some word. We need some stability. We need something that will work. This going, is this, this going to church for an hour a week getting working. and working. We How many y'all know that doesn't work? I mean, look at America. It doesn't work. Right? And uh, and I believe the day's coming when the, the congregation is going to start making demand and say, hey, we want some more work. And uh, a number of churches this last year, and, in fact, at Eagle Mountain was one of them, but a number of churches last year, I've, I've looked at the clock and started to stop, and the people just said, somebody said, go on, preach some more. And somebody said, preach some more. And even the pastor said, no, preach some more. Tell this story. Tell this story. And, uh, and you know, it's just gotten to where, in fact, there at Eagle Mountain, they actually took the clock out of the, out of the auditorium. And uh, Pastor George told me, he says, Terry, there is not a clock in our auditorium, and you can preach. You just don't, just forget about it. Just leave your watch at home, and you just preach till the Holy Ghost gets through and, you know, nobody wants to go to church and just hear somebody flop their jaws for a long time. But if the Holy Ghost is saying something, I think we're all ready to hear it. Amen? So that, that's our job is to make sure the Holy Ghost is talking, and I'm not just up here rambling. But, but uh, we, uh, we, I was preaching at a, at a church in, in Michigan uh, several years ago. In fact, I was preaching a, 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 a video series on, on uh, spiritual authority that's back there. It's the only video back there, but it's five hours, five different 60-minute sessions. And uh, it was supposed to only be four, because the pastor said, "I want you to do four, four days, and I want you to do 60 minutes at a time." He said, "I don't care how long you preach after the 60 minutes, you can go ahead." But he said, "But we need it 60 minutes for television programs." He said, "So close it out at 60 minutes, and then if you're not through, go ahead and preach another hour. We don't care." But he said, "You know, just just give me four 60-minute sessions." And so on Wednesday night, I did Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So Wednesday night, uh, I did the 60 minutes and closed it out and and was done and dismissed the people, and they just all sat there. And, and, and I said, no, you're dismissed, you can go. And they just all said, and somebody else said, preach again, do another hour, do another session. And somebody else said, yeah, I'll do it. And so we, so we did a fifth session, supposed to be four sessions, but there's five 60-minute sessions. But, but I believe that day's coming when we're so demanding on the Holy Spirit, demanding on the Word of God, demanding on the things of God, that we're going to really get serious about church again. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this great church. Thank you for Pastor Mike and Pastor Beth. Thank you, Father, for the ministry here. Thank you for all that they're doing locally and all that they're doing around the world. Thank you for their involvement in our ministry. Father, we, we, we together have accomplished some things. Together, we've accomplished some things around the world. We've changed some lives around the world. They have prayed for us, loved us, sent us money, and we've gone and delivered the goods, and people's lives have been changed. Nations have been affected and changed. And so, Father, we thank you for this partnership. And, Father, tonight I ask you, as I've already talked to you about, I ask you that I'll not speak of myself nor in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit, the greater one that indwells me, rise up big within me now, think through my thoughts, speak through my lips, minister words that will get on the inside of us and create faith for faith comes by hearing the word. As we hear the word tonight, faith will rise in this house. Faith will rise. It will rise in this house. It will rise in every person. And as faith rises, Father, you're able to touch us at the point of our faith and do the healing or the miracle or the deliverance or whatever, uh, whatever supernatural thing that needs to be done. And I thank you for that. And Father, I believe we'll leave this place tonight and we won't be disappointed that we'll leave with our head up and our shoulders back that we'll leave here realizing that we're bigger than we thought we were and better than we thought we were and can do more than we thought we could do because we're Christians, Christ-like ones, imitators of King Jesus, that there literally are no limits to those that believe that we can do more. Physically, mentally, financially, we can do more in our marriage, in our home. We can do more than we thought we could do. Because we're Christians, we're Christ-like ones, we're imitators of King Jesus, and we pass the possible, and we go into the impossible. We go, we go into another realm of being able to do things that normal, mere men can't do. Your word tells us we're not just mere men. We're not, we're not just mere men. We're not just normal folks, ordinary folks. We tap into the supernatural. And Father, I thank you for that. I believe you to speak to us tonight and be the lifter of our heads. And, Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for healing. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for deliverance from uh, addictions, habits, or whatever such thing. Thank you for moving supernaturally by your spirit on your people that we can look back on the calendar and say, that's the that's the night things changed. And I thank you for it. And we give you the glory and the honor, the praise, the majesty, the dominion in the majestic and holy name of King Jesus, the name that heavens never failed to honor. And our hells never fail to tremble at the name of Jesus Christ, the righteous. And everybody said, "Amen, amen." You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. I said this this morning, but let me say it again. We know we're thankful, and you should be thankful for Memorial Day. You know, freedom's never been free. It's always cost blood. It cost Jesus' blood. It's cost our military blood. It's cost, it's cost blood. Forever, Freedom's never, 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 never been free. And uh, we thank God for those that have gone on before and, you know, Veterans Day is that day that everybody recognizes service men and women. They've worn the uniform. But Memorial Day, however, is, is a set aside to honor and recognize and be thankful for service members who died in service to the nation and uh, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice, those who paid their life, their blood for our freedom. And, of course, when when they do that, they pay the ultimate price. Then at home, their parents, their wife, their brother or sister, they pay the ultimate price. I've got a dear friend that's, uh, in fact, I'm sure Mike and Beth are friends as well, David Horton. And uh, David's son, Chris, was in Afghanistan, a sniper in Afghanistan, and was, was shot and killed in a firefight. And, and uh, I saw on Facebook some things that, that uh, David and Sherry were doing. In the Pentagon this week, and then out at Arlington National Cemetery at Chris's grave, and and you know we just don't forget those things, you know we're not going to forget. And uh, uh, I appreciate the military, I appreciate what we've done, and, and and maybe I shouldn't say something that sounds political, but but you know I'm a, I'm a veteran myself, and uh, I was born in 1950, so this is a little bit before my time, but. But, uh, you know, Mr. Obama apologized this week for for America dropping the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And I, I just I want you to know we have not a thing to apologize for. Amen. We didn't start that fight, but we finished it. Saved millions of lives by doing that. And uh, we, we owe no apology for that. And uh, I know on behalf of service members and just normal citizens everywhere, he's not speaking for us when he... When he does that. And uh, anyway, that's my speech for the day. You ready to get into the word? Yeah, me too. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Let's look at, watching um, so many place I'd like to go tonight. Let's look at um, Acts chapter 2. And uh, what I want to do is, is minister something to you where I don't take a lot of time because I want to share some testimonies with you tonight. But let's look at Acts chapter 2. I guess I ought to actually turn over there, shouldn't I? In uh, Acts chapter 2, what has happened here is that Peter and 119 other folks are in the upper room, and the Holy Ghost is falling upon them, and they're speaking in tongues, and cloven tongues like as a fire, and they're speaking languages they never learned and so on and so forth. You know all that. And uh, when that happened, uh, the power of God came on them for the first time. Now, they would run around with Jesus for three years, three and a half years, but, but, and they saw the miracles Jesus did. They even had miracles in their own life. Uh, they saw some miracles in their own ministry and, and saw something, cast out devils and stuff. But all of a sudden, the, the power of God came to live in them for the first time. See, all through the Old Testament, uh, God never lived in anybody. The Holy Ghost never lived in anybody, uh, and we, we couldn't stand that. Our bodies couldn't take it. Our bodies just die. That's what happened with the Ark of the Covenant. That's when, when Uzzah touched the Ark of the Covenant, he died. And he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, it, it started to fall, and he, he just grabbed it to stop it from falling, but that power killed him. And so in the Old Testament, you see scriptures all through the Old Testament saying God was with them, God was for them, God went before them, God came behind them. God overshadowed them, but you never find God in them. And you'd find God would come on them and they'd do some miracle, supernatural thing, and then he'd leave. He couldn't stay. He came on Samson, and Samson killed a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. But then he, he lifted. He left. He came on Elijah, and Elijah supernaturally outran the king's chariots, outran the horses. But then he lifted. He, he couldn't live in him. But in the New Testament things changed starting at the book of Acts because now it's Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ is in you now. He wasn't in them back then. In fact, you know, in the Old Testament, people weren't even saved, they weren't even born again. Isn't that right? In the Old Testament, you couldn't be a Christian because there hadn't been a Christ yet. Can't have a Christian without a Christ. And Jesus hadn't died, Jesus hadn't come. And so they were—they were people of God and chosen people, and they did some things to get to 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 make them uh, in accepted with God. But but it wasn't Christ in them; it wasn't the God in them. And that that all changed on the day of Pentecost. And when Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Ghost came, Jesus said, "Man, when I go, the Comforter's coming, and it's better for you that I go." Well, man, if you're Peter and James and John and the boys, you think how in the world could it be better for us if you go? We've been running around with you for three and a half years. It's, it's, it's good. How could you say it's better for us if you go? But Jesus said, it's better for you if I go. Because when I go, the Comforter will come, the Holy Ghost will come. If I don't go, he won't come. But if I go, he'll come and, and dwell you. And, and that's what's happened here on the day of Pentecost. And so Peter, who just 50-something days ago, was a coward. I mean, he denied Jesus three times. I mean, cursed and denied him. I never knew the man. I don't know the man. About fifty days ago, but now he's refilled the Holy Ghost, and so he stands up in verse two, chapter two, of verse twenty-two. He stands up and he makes this declaration. Man, I got my Bible so torn up up here. Let me. Well, I guess I'll just quote it to you. He said, Ye men of Israel, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Well, we can say tonight, you know, you men and women of, of Foothills Family Church, hear these words. And he made that declaration Hear these words, stood up bold, full of the Holy Ghost. And he said, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God by signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. In other words, he said, God did miracles, signs, and wonders right in your face, and you all know what you can't deny. Now, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth is a man approved of God. Well, what's the approval? The approval, God's stamp of approval was signs, wonders, Miracles. Here's how you know that Jesus was a good guy and of God, because here it is God's stamp of approval, signs wonders, and wonders miracles. Now, people have told me all my life. Now, Brother Terry, you know, it's no big deal if you have healings and miracles. I mean, you know, I mean, the devil can do miracles. Well, only people tell you that are people that don't have signs and wonders and miracles in their life. Including pastors, including preachers. And, and and you know, and I've had guys. I had a guy come to me one time at a convention. I preached on miracles, and he came to me and said, "Why do you feel like you have to do that?" I said, "Do what?" He said, "Get up and talk about miracles and you know all that kind of stuff. We don't we don't need that." He said, "Why would you do that?" And I said, "Why wouldn't you do it?" I said, "The only reason you don't like it is because you don't have any." Are y'all here? One dear dear friend of mine, long time friend of mine. In fact, friend of Renee and her husband, Dean, friends of ours for years and years, he stood up at a convention one day and he preached, we don't need signs, wonders, and miracles anymore. We don't need healings anymore. We don't need that stuff anymore. We've got the word. That's all we need. I went to him after service. I said, what is wrong with you? You know better than that. I taught you better than that. Dean taught him better than that. Brother Osteen taught him better than that. But all of a sudden, he's been pastoring for a lot of years, and he's just... You know, ebbed down and watered down and watered down and watered down, and watered down, and watered down to where he wasn't seeing anything happen. So all of a sudden, it worked into his sermons. And we don't need it, but that's not true. God's stamp of approval is signs, wonders, miracles. I've had people say, Brother Terry, I tell you, the devil can do miracles." I say, "No, he can't. I've known the devil a long time. He didn't do any miracles." Some of y'all hung out in his houses for a long time. Don't raise your hand. But some of y'all, some of y'all used to hang out with him. He didn't do miracles. you all here? People tell you the same thing about tongues. I say, oh, I'll tell you, the, the devil can speak in tongues. No, he doesn't. Some of you all hung out in bars, and you heard people slur their words, but you didn't hear them speaking in tongues. You heard them where well, they couldn't hardly handle English, but they, 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 they didn't speak in tongues. Those are just cop-outs for the church saying, uh, trying to excuse why they don't do something. Amen. Amen. Hear these words. Peter thought that was important. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth is a man approved of God with signs, wonders, and miracles which God did by him in the midst of you, which ye yourselves also know. That's a pretty flat statement. There it is, in your face. Amen. The devil's not a miracle worker, the devil's, the devil's not a creator. Now the devil can is an illusionist he can he can do little magic tricks he can he can you know witch doctors can talk to animals and they can talk back or make people appear and disappear, and, you know this kind of stuff and that kind of stuff, but you know they, they they just can't do what the Holy Ghost can do. you know they'll knock on a table and get you know and all jiggy with it with Ouija boards and witchcraft and stuff, and have a table walk across the floor. Well, that's not a, that's not a bad when you don't see the demons standing there just moving it across the floor. But you, know that, well, you that that well, that what happens in your presence, all you got to say is "Stop that!" In the name of Jesus, it'll just stop. That's right. Devil, put that table back over there in the corner where it belongs. <laughs> Nobody told you you could move that. He can't operate in the name against the name of Jesus. And we need to understand that power. Hear these words. Hear these words. You know, the church isn't, wasn't meant just to be watered down and watered down and watered down until, until every church is just, just alike. I mean, just, just every church is just, you can't tell going to, to a spirit-filled church and a you know, non-spirit-filled church because nothing happens in either one of them. Well, that shouldn't be right. Why not just get everybody on fire? But when the Holy Ghost came, Peter made that declaration. And when he got up and talked about that, and he said, our our evil rulers, our cruel rulers took Jesus and crucified him, but the ground couldn't hold him. And three days later, he rose again. He's alive today. But well, when he did that, 3,000 people got saved. His first sermon, 3,000 people got saved. That's pretty good preaching. Then just a couple of days later, or we don't know the time frame, but just shortly after that, that was Acts chapter 2 Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John walked into church as they were accustomed to do, had done it all their life, walked in that same temple all their life, and walked by a man that was crippled from his mother's womb. And everybody in town knew this guy. The reason being is because in those days you had to go to church. I mean, it was the law. You had to go to church. I miss the Old Testament. I mean, everybody had to go to church. You didn't have a choice. And so everybody came into that temple, and everybody passed that crippled guy, Day after day, year after year, year in, year out, he had been there all of his life. And the Bible says in verse 22 of chapter 4, he's over 40 years old. And that they carried, he was crippled from his mother's womb. The time he was born. And they carried him every day, every day, every day, every day, every day to the beautiful gate of the temple. And he sat there and begged for money. That was his job. He was a professional beggar in the right way. I mean, he needed the money. He wasn't just one of these guys that begged and, and, and couldn't, you know, and just because he didn't want to work. No, he, he legitimately needed help. And he was a legitimate beggar. And uh, there's no telling how many times Peter and John had passed him. No telling how many times Jesus had passed him. Because Jesus went in that same temple over and over and over again. He sat right there at that gate every day. But this day, Peter and John went to the temple for the hour of prayer, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And when they did, they walked by this guy. And the guy says, alms, alms, alms for the poor. And all of a sudden, Peter, something got, something got a hold of him. And Peter looked over at that guy and said, Hey, look on us. Look at here. Look at me. And then he made that famous, famous, famous statement. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Amen. Amen. Only I'm sure he said it with a lot of emotion. And when he said it, he reached down and grabbed that guy. He didn't just say it. He followed it with some action. He reached down and grabbed that guy, the Bible said by the right hand, and jerked him up and said, rise up and walk in Jesus' name. And when that guy hit the ground, his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he went running and jumping and hollering and praising God. Amen? Amen. You know, it sounds better when I preach it in Spanish, you know. Peter said, plata ni oro no tengo, pero lo que tengo te doy. En el nombre de este Cristo de Nazaret, levántate y anda. Y él fue brincando, saltando y hablando a Dios. It just sounds better in Spanish. I'm sure Peter said it with a little, you know, Spanish emotion to it. But he, he, that guy took off running and praising God. And uh, everybody in town knew it was a miracle. Everybody. The Bible tells us that. It said everybody in Jerusalem knew it. And it made the church people mad. It made the elders of the town mad, and the elders of the church mad. And they got together and decided, what in the world can we do to stop this? Now, I don't know why they wanted to stop it. That's the part that bothers me. Why would you want to stop that? Why wouldn't they invite Peter and John in for a healing crusade and put banners all over town down and say, bring the sick, bring the afflicted, bring the demon-possessed, Jesus will heal you. But they didn't. They said, no, we don't want anybody to know this. Are you all here? They don't want anybody to know this. And uh, I don't want to get too far into this, this because I don't want to eat my time up. I want, to, I want to share some things with you. But let me just give you a couple of scriptures here in chapter, in chapter 4. It says, um, verse 13, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, chapter 4, verse 13, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant, men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Verse 14, Beholding the man which was healed standing with them, that's pretty cool to say the crippled man standing, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. See, you just can't say anything against a miracle. They could say nothing against it. What are they going to say? There's the guy that everybody in town knows is a a crippled guy. He's over 40 years old. He's been crippled from the day he's born. And now he's standing and leaping and running and jumping and praising God. And so they could say nothing against it. When they had commanded them to go aside of the council, they conferred among themselves and they said, verse 16, what shall we do to these men for indeed a notable miracle? Everybody say notable miracle. A notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem The whole town knows it, and we cannot deny it. We cannot deny it. Isn't that amazing? Two times it says here. One says we cannot deny it, and one says they can say nothing against it. I've always preached this, that, that a man or a woman with a testimony is always at the advantage of a man or a woman with a doctrine. Man, we got churches full of folks that's got doctrines. But those doctrines don't do anything compared to a testimony. Isn't that right? Jesus healed a blind guy one time. The Pharisees didn't like it. The church people didn't like it. The town people didn't like it. So they came to the, the blind guy who's now cease. And they said to him, They said, Hey, don't you know that guy that healed you and gave you your sight? Don't you know he's a bad guy? And the guy said, Hey, I don't know if he's a Republican or a Democrat. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I could care less. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. He didn't care about doctrine. He said, I know one thing for sure. I've been blind all these years, and now I see, so leave me alone. And that's the way this guy was. Hey, I've been crippled since my, 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 I was born, over 40 years old now. What do I care what his doctrine is? What do I care what his politics are? What do I care what he... Has for dinner,
1: man. I, I'm, I can, I can,
0: and they can come to him and say, "Oh, but you know, miracles have passed away." Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm, I'm walking. Amen. Yeah, but you know that all passed away with the apostle. Yeah, but you know, God doesn't do that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, here. I'm right here. I'm walking. <laughs> yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? A man or a woman with a doctrine, with a with testimony, is always at the advantage of a man or woman with a doctrine. Thank God for doctors; They got to line up with the Word of God. Isn't that right? Notable miracles. Notable miracles. Notable miracles. Notable miracles. You know, when I first went into ministry, I went off down to Honduras. I was 25 years old, and and i have been in the ministry for quite a while, but I, I, I went off down to Panama at that—excuse at, me, Honduras—at 25 years old. I was having a crusade, and uh, had 25,000 people in the in the crowd, and I mean, God was just doing miracles night after night. It was just amazing. I tell you, people would run to the platform just screaming, "I can see! I can see! Or I can hear! I can hear!" I jumped off the platform one night and jerked a guy out of a wheelchair. He hadn't been out of the wheelchair in 30 years, couldn't stand up, much less walk. And I jerked him out. I said, get up and walk in the name of Jit." he jumped up and ran he ran all over that place and came back and got his wheelchair and brought it up on the platform he pushed the wheelchair around just you know completely healed by the power another guy they carried him in on his deathbed dying with, with cancer his belly bloated final stages of cancer and, and his and his body hurt he had cancer of the bone which is a horrible painful disease and, and every time somebody touched him removed his bed carried him on a couch on on a little bed and every time they jiggled it or moved, he screamed in pain he was in so much power jumped off the platform Ran over to him and said, Get up and walk in the name of Jesus. You're healed. And Pulled him up. And he jumped up. And he took off. He ran all over the place. Came back and gave his testimony. I mean, just miracle. Those are notable miracles. Notable miracles. And just miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And I got to noticing that every night I'd see these two Mormon guys. And they're not hard to spot. I mean, we're in Honduras. <laughs> and there's 25,000 people in the crowd. But, you know, they're just kind of dressed like, you know, Hondurans, and he'd up two guys in white shirt and tie on a bicycle, <laughs> and, they, and and they got to where they'd come every night, and I'd see them. I'd be right in the middle of them, and I'd see them come. I'd see them, and they'd always ride to the back of the crowd, and then stop and just sit there and watch the. And finally one night they approached me and said, uh, Minds, could we have uh, coffee or lunch or something with you?" And I said, "Sure." Come by my hotel tomorrow. And so they did. They came by. We sat there and I said, hey, you guys, I've been seeing you come to the crusade. What do you, what do you think about it? And they said, well, we don't know what to think. They said, we, we know those miracles are really happening. So we see them every night. So we know those people are crippled and they walk. We know those people are blind. They see. We know those people are deaf. and They hear so, you know, they're, they're, there's no doubt those people are having miracles. So we just don't know why. Because we don't agree with what you're saying or what you're doing. I said, yeah, but it's hard to argue the miracle, isn't it? Amen. It's hard to argue the miracle. There's an, there's an old gentleman there that had been famous in that town of San Pedro Sula back in the back in the seventies, and uh, he he was a black guy and he was a trumpet player, so he was a really good trumpet player. So he just picked up the name Sachimo just like Louis Armstrong, and you know here in the states, and he just kind of picked up that that that, that, that name and and was very well known in, in that city, San Pedro Sula, and his trumpet and all that. Well, he got, he got I don't know what he got, or I don't know what he got, but he got to where he couldn't play the trumpet anymore. And so he hadn't worked in several years. And he was at that crusade, and uh, God healed him. Next night he brought his trumpet to the, to the crusade and got up there on the stage and played his trumpet, you know, and the whole crowd goes wild. They, they, they know this guy, and they know this is a miracle. He's like this guy here that all everybody in Jerusalem knew it and God does notable miracles notable miracles and we the church just have to just tap back into that supernatural mindset and that supernatural understanding that oh this isn't business as usual this isn't just normal church we we serve a supernatural god we serve a god that heals the sick and raises the dead and cast out death this this is the will of god i was talking to you this morning about the post the post the landmarks and, and we've gotten the, we've gotten so far away from the post the post was here and then the church has moved it here or the country's moved it here or the politicians have moved and people just keep moving it and moving it and moving it Pretty pretty soon you're saying now what now what how do we know god wants to heal What? Because the post is so far away back over here, we don't remember what God said. And so so the church created this doctrine years and years and years ago that, that, well, God's a bad guy. And all of a sudden the church started acting like that God and the devil switched places in the last 2,000 years, that God's the bad guy and the, the devil's the good guy. But that's not what the post is. Oh, you go back over here to the post in, in Acts 10 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing what? Good. Not bad. Jesus went about doing good and healing how many? All, AW, the longest word in the Bible, all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. What a powerful scripture. And I have lived off that scripture for decades and decades. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That, that's so, such a simple scripture. It tells, you, it tells you God's good, Jesus is good, the Holy Ghost is good, and the devil's bad. Isn't that simple? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, the bad guy. The devil's the bad guy, the devil's the oppressor, and God's the healer. And Jesus went about doing good. And yet the church has gotten into this doctrine that, well, God's the bad guy. God put sickness on you to teach you a lesson. God gave you that car wreck, and God, God killed your husband, killed your wife, killed your kids, killed your parents. God did all this bad stuff. You know, my mama, bless her sweetheart, and she's in heaven today, and she's a godly woman and loved God with all her heart. Raised me in church, thank God for that. And uh, I thought about her on on Mother's Day. I was telling somebody, I said one thing about my mama. I said, you know, the the word says you train up a child in the way he should go, and you know, not depart from when he's old. And I said, you know, the greatest the greatest joy to my mom was when I went in the ministry and started having miracles and healings and stuff all over the world. And here, and and here she, you know, she's the one that started all that. She's the one that raised me in church, caught me by the ear and said, "You're going to church." And uh, but uh, my mama, bless her heart, she had. uh, Horrible, horrible migraine headaches. Just suffered with those things. Just all my life, she suffered. And, and, and I knew she was suffering. And, you know, the one had would come on her, you know, what, You know, once in you know, six weeks or a month or t- two weeks or whatever, she would be a bam. And I mean, it'd be so bad. And it just, I mean, she'd get to the point she'd just be debilitated and in bed and nauseous and throwing up and, you know, had to be in the dark room and couldn't have light on. I mean, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible all my life. And uh, I remember one day I came back home from the Army. I was in the military and came back home for a th- pass or something. or And uh, I was just about to get out of the military and just about to go to Tulsa. And uh, my... Uh, went in to see her, and she's, she's in bed in dark room and just hurting, you know. And uh, she said, oh, baby, I'm so glad to see you. She said, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in bed with a migraine. I'm suffering with this. I'm so sorry. And then I said, I'm so sorry, too. I said, I just, I just hate that. I, I, just, I just hate it. And uh, she said, well, you know, she said, God's just, it's just God just teaching me. I mean, God's just teaching me something and trying to teach me something. And, I mean, you know, I stood there for a little while, and, of course, that's your mama, and you don't want to be disrespectful, but, but I wanted to get through to her. So I said, uh, I said, you know, Mom, I said, um, this has been going on all my life. And I said, all my life you've had these migraine headaches. And all my life you tell me it's God putting them on you to teach you something. She said, yeah. And I said, well, I said, with all due respect, Either God is a really, really lousy teacher. Are you really a bad learner? Because <laughs> this has been going on all my life. And if God didn't, can't figure out how to teach you and you can't figure out how to learn, I, I said, you know, He hadn't taught you anything. You hadn't learned anything. In all these years, you hadn't learned anything because here we are. He's still trying to teach you something. I said, I, said I, I need you to understand God's not trying to teach you something. This didn't come from God. It came from hell. You hadn't learned anything from it. No good thing has ever come from it. And you had to change that woman's life. Change the woman's life. I went over and said, now I'm going to pray for you one more time. And I want this to stop. I went on and prayed for her. She absolutely healed. Didn't have any more headaches the rest of her life. But isn't that amazing? The church just gets in those doctrines. Yeah, well, God put this on me. Well, God's trying to teach me something. Well, God did this bad thing. God did this bad No, God doesn't do bad things. So I talked to you about this morning. I said, I know that God is good. If you just learn two things from this missionary, you, learned, you know that God is good and you know that his word is truth. I mean, throw everything else away. and you know, God's word is true. Jesus said, Father, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Thank God for truth. I don't know about y'all, but I love truth. God's a good God. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The devil's a bad guy. During that same crusade, I had a knock at the door one day. I was in prayer, praying. Man, i tell you what, I was doing morning sessions of own faith, and then I was doing afternoon and night crusades so in the afternoon. I'm just, man, I'm praying and fasting, and I'm in my room, and I'm praying, you know. And there came a knock at my door. And I went to the door. The lady was standing there, and now, I'm 25 years old, and I thought she was really old, but she was probably just, you know, maybe, I don't know, 40 or something. And uh, she's standing there and had a little boy with her. looked to be 8 or 10. And uh, she had on real thick glasses. And I said, yes, ma'am, could I help you? And she said, uh, "She said, Reverend Miles, she said, uh, I've, I've uh, been to the crusade at night. And uh, I said, oh, yeah. I said, you've you been to the crusade? Yeah. yeah. I, said, I said, have you seen all the miracles? Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. And she said, uh, I just wondered if I stopped by here, if you'd pray for my eyes. And I said, well, sure. I said, have you seen all the blind people here? We have just had an inordinate amount of blind people healed. I mean, night after night after night, blind people getting here. I said, oh, yeah, it's been wonderful. It's just marvelous. It's tremendous. And she said, I, I just thought maybe you'd pray for my eyes now. And I said, "I said, well, sure, i will be glad to do that. I said, take your glasses off and let me pray for you. And I stepped outside of my room. I didn't let her in my room. I stepped outside the room. And, and, uh, and I said, take your glasses off and let me pray for you. And so she took her glasses off. And I reached over to put my hand on her head to pray. And, and while I was in motion to put my hand on her head, she said these words. She said, this is just my cross that God's put on me to bear. And I just kind of froze and stopped like that. And I said, excuse me, what you say? And she said, this is just my cross that God's put on me to bear. And I said, this, this eye trouble, this your cross to bear that God's put on you? She said, yes. And I said, well, dear sister, I can't pray for you. She said, well, why not? She you pray for people every night? I said, yeah. I said, but I can't pray for you. She said, why not? I said, well, if God's put this on you, who am I to take it off? I said, I wouldn't touch the handiwork of God. I said, "If this is a blessing, you need to you need to enjoy it." And I said, "Listen, let me give you some advice." I said, "Don't you go down here to an optometrist, to an eye doctor, and pay him good money to violate the will of God, because you get that doctor in trouble with God. If God put that on you. You don't you don't you don't take that off. You you enjoy that." She just stood there looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate, you know. And uh, I said, sister, is this your little boy? She said, yes. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, if he, if he disobeyed you, would you take a stick and just poke his eyes out? She said, well, I certainly would not. I said, I didn't think you would. I said, if he disobeyed you, would you take his, his hand and just hold it in the fire and burn him? She said, I certainly would not. I said, I didn't think you would. I said, one last question. Do you think you're a better mother than God is a father? She looked at me a long time and she said, I see what you're talking about. God didn't put this on me, did he? I said, no, ma'am. Now we can get it off. Amen. But see, as long as you think God's causing your problem, let me just stop and think for a moment. You're a Christian. You want the will of God. So when the devil can convince you that bad stuff's the will of God and you're a Christian and you want the will of God, then it's hard for you and many times impossible for you to get rid of that stuff. As long as you think God has anything to do with your problem, then it's very difficult and many times impossible to get rid of it. Because in here, you're wanting the will of God. And up here, you're thinking that that is the will of God. So you're fighting yourself. So we need to absolutely divorce the idea that God has anything whatsoever to do with our problem. Amen? That all sickness and poverty were brewed in the cauldrons of hell for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to kill you. There's no such thing as a good sickness. There's no such thing as good poverty. You come come go with me to some of the countries I go to. I'll show you real poverty America knows nothing about. I mean, I'll I'll show you places that if they don't, if if they don't get something to eat, they're going to die. And they just can't go down and get, you know, get help from the government. Poverty is a killer. It's a killer. I know you don't respond to that because this is American. You don't know what poverty is. But poverty is a killer. And sickness is a killer. And you need, I, I said to you this one of the last times I was here, I remember saying, you need to understand that if, you, if you're if you battling cancer or something of that sort, you, you, you need to get the mindset that this is a battle and one of us is going to die. The cancer's gonna die or I'm gonna die. Either it kills me or I kill it, but we we're not gonna coexist. And that's the way Christians need to go into these things. Understand, this is a battle. This is from hell, this is here to kill me, and I am not going to succumb to this. Instead of that mealy mouth, sissy fied churchy idea of, oh well, whatever the Lord wants. I know if the Lord wants to heal me, he will. No, we know God wants to heal you. That's one of the posts. One of the posts is over here. I mean that by his stripes ye were healed. That's Old Testament and New Testament. By his stripes ye are healed. Well, if I are, I was, and if I am, I is. Healing's of God. Healing's always of God. Every person, 100%, every person that came to Jesus for healing got it. Every one of them, 100%. Now, he didn't heal everybody he came across. He passed sick people all the time. But everybody that came to him for healing got it. And in a spiritual authority sense, he even, he even asked some people if they'd be healed. He went to that guy at the, at the pool of Siloam. There's people laying around sick everywhere. And he went to that one guy and he said, he asked him permission. said, will you be made whole? See, we're just thinking in our church mind, we're just thinking, well, he's Jesus. You just think he'd just walk in, everybody be healed. Well, it just doesn't work that way. Jesus couldn't clear out the hospital at Jerusalem because he's not operating as Jesus, the son of God, who could clear out the hospital at Jerusalem. He's operating as a man, as a prophet under the old covenant. Old Roberts couldn't just heal everybody. T.L. Osborne couldn't just heal everybody. He's like Billy Graham can't get everybody saved. But we're going to stay at it and stay at it and stay at it because some are going to get saved and some are going to get healed. Isn't that right? But with Jesus, everybody that came for healing received healing. He didn't put them off. He didn't tell them, no, I'm teaching you a lesson. He didn't tell them come back next next Thursday, make an appointment. No, he just healed them. And he told us to go do the same thing. Are you here? In Matthew 10, 1, he said that he called his 12 disciples to and gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. Power to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. That's just pretty simple. Then Luke 10, 19, that he, he, he said, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy and no thing, no thing by any means shall hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. He gave us spiritual authority, spiritual dominion. To get the job done. God's always been a healer, always will be a healer. And you know God didn't have healing in the Garden of Eden because there wasn't any sickness. When Adam let healing, when Adam let the curse come and fall the fall come and sin come, then here comes sickness and disease. Well, when He creates when He brought along sickness and disease, then God comes up with healings and miracles. He says, Well, here I'm going to give you healings and miracles to counteract the sickness and disease. Are are y'all with me? Yeah. Notable miracles, notable miracles, notable miracles. In that same crusade in Honduras, uh, a, a lady came up to me in one of the day sessions. I was teaching on faith. I was teaching John 10, 10. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. But I have come to give you life in that more abundance. And I, taught, and I taught that morning. Now, now stealing and killing and destroying is always the devil. You can always know what's God. You can always know what's the devil. If it's life in abundance, it's Jesus. If it's killing, stealing, and destroying, it's the devil. You have to wonder about that. You just have to check something out and say, well, is that stealing, killing, destroying? It's the devil. Stealing your marriage, stealing your home, killing your kids, killing your husband, killing your marriage. Is it, is it destroying? Is it killing? Is it stealing? It's the devil. It's not God. If it's life in abundance, that's Jesus. I'd recognize him anywhere. And so I finished the session that morning and I put the micro, I was putting the microphones away and a a lady came up behind me. I heard her come behind me. I turned around and it's this young woman that's, that's pregnant. She's quite a few months along. And, uh, and she's just crying, just, just, just crying. And uh, I said, Sister, what is it? And she said, Brother Terry, she said, I need you to pray for me. She said, I, I, I haven't felt my baby move for many days. And she said, I'm bleeding profusely, and, 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 I've just come, and I'm in excruciating pain. And she said, this morning I just went to see my doctor. I just came straight from the doctor's office here. And she said, uh, he's examined me and says my baby's dead. And he wants me to come in the hospital so he can remove it from me. And she's just sobbing, as you can imagine she would. And I just looked at her, never prayed for her, never, never touched her, never laid hands on her. I just said, dear sister, a dead baby on the inside of you is not life in abundance. And how many agree with that? A dead baby on the inside of you is not life in abundance. See, what am I doing? I'm going back to the post. I'm not trying to decide away over here, away from the post. Well, I wonder if this woman should be healed. I wonder if her baby should be. Healed. I wonder if she sinned. I wonder. I wonder what happened. I wonder. No, 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 no. The post over here said, "By his stripes ye were healed. Lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus; they shall be healed. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Right? That's what the post says. So I just said, a dead baby on the inside of you is not life in abundance. It's killing, stealing, and destroying. It's not God, it's the devil. I said, and I'm a man of God, and I decree to you in the name of Jesus and the office of the apostle God's called me to, your baby will live and not die in Jesus' name. Now you go back to the doctor. I didn't touch her, I didn't lay hands on her, didn't pray for her. She just turned around and left. I didn't see her again for four days, and finally after the fourth day, she on, on the crusade at the crusade at night, she was in the in the in the testimony line. Now, in crusades, we don't have prayer lines and healing lines because there's just too many people. There's 25,000 people in that crusade. So we don't, we don't lay hands on people because if you do that for one, everybody's going to want it, right? The, the mistake is to do it for one. If you do it for one, you've got to do it for everybody. And so, so we have a, 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 we preach the word and then pray a mass prayer at the end, a prayer for everybody, let the Holy Ghost fall on them where they are and then tell them to check their self out. And then if you've got a healing, come up and tell us about it. And so we have a testimony line, not a, a prayer line. And so uh, this lady was over here in the testimony line. And of course, we have people down there checking people out, making sure they really are healed and what's, so on and so forth. And uh, I saw her in the testimony line. And I saw that she's just smiling and looked peaceful and happy. And so when she got up to the microphone and got up to me and you know told the story, she said, she said when she said when, she told the people I hadn't felt my baby moving days, and I was in pain and bleeding and all this. And The doctor said my baby's dead. She said when Brother Terry prayed for me, and I actually didn't pray for it. This is what she thought I did. She, she said when Brother Terry prayed for me. She said instantly the, the 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 pain stopped. And she said on the way to the doctor's office, the bleeding stopped. And when I got to the doctor's office and sat there waiting to see my doctor, the baby kicked me and began to move. And then the doctor examined me and said, everything's perfect. When I see that's life the bundle, that's a notable miracle. A notable miracle. Based on what? Based on, on the post. I didn't just make this stuff up. Right? We always go back and say, why why do we think this person ought to be healed? Well, because over here, the Word tells us, God said... Over and over and over, it's his will for healing. You know, the Bible tells us very plainly, what am I at? Oh, I'm at 7.30, my goodness. Uh, the, word, the, the word tells us, thank you, that's sweet. The, 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 and I, and I, let me just say this to you. The, the word tells us that Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I hear the Father, unless I see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. Hebrews says Jesus was the expressed image and will of God. Right? Three scriptures we've got there. He's the expressed will of God. Jesus is the will of God. He doesn't do anything he didn't see the Father do. He doesn't say anything he didn't hear the Father say. So he's not making his own stuff up. Right? He's strictly doing what the Father said. He is the will of the Father. And yet, church people tell you all these years... They say, well, you know, uh, some people are supposed to get healed and some people aren't. Some people it's the will of God and some people it's not. Well, but wait a minute. 100% of the people that came to Jesus got healed. Now, if it's a fact that 100% of the people that came to Jesus got healed, it is, and it's a fact that he is the will of God and he only does what he sees the Father do and only says what he hears the Father say, then isn't it odd that everybody got healed? Because if it's the will of God to heal some and not some, Somebody was really lucky on the lottery. He, he got the right number every time because Jesus healed them all. Time and time again it says, and he healed them all. There was a great multitude, and he preached to the multitude, and they had having with them their sick and the, the lame and the blind, and, and he healed them all. He didn't heal them some. He didn't heal them a few. He healed them all. Well, how could it be God's will for some to get healed and some not when all of them got it? And if he's the will of God, then then he'd be and this person wasn't supposed to get healed, and Jesus healed them anyway, then he'd be out of the will of God. He'd be violating the will of God. Does that make sense to you? What the church says doesn't make sense. What religion says doesn't make sense. But if you go back to the post, it always makes sense. It said this is the will of God. You know, John wrote to us in 3 John. He was over 90 years old when he wrote 3 John. And here's this guy that's over 90 years old been serving God all these years they've tried to kill him he wouldn't die they tried to boil him in oil he just has hey, a nice hot oil bath and, and, and then they they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos and he went to the Isle of Patmos and while he was on the Isle of Patmos he wrote a little book called Revelation and then, and then when he finished his sentence he came home and, and all his friends had been murdered all his fellow disciples all his fellow apostles I mean Paul and Andrew and James and John They're all they're all dead you know Paul's gone to Rome, and he's dead. Paul, and John's 70 years old, uh, 90 years old. At the end of his life, the end of his ministry, and he takes pen in hand, and he writes this to us, and he says, Beloved, I mean, he's talking to the church, right? Beloved, talking to us. Yeah. Beloved, <clears throat> I wish above all things. Wish isn't a Bible word. I pray or desire, if you look at the margin. I pray or desire above all things that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, now think about this. John's over 90 years old. You'd think he'd said something spiritual. You'd think he'd say, all right, I've been doing this for 90 years now, and all my my buddies are dead, and Jesus is dead, and everybody's dead and left me. And uh, if I could just tell you one thing, if I could just tell you 90 years old, if I could just tell you one one thing, here it is, here it is. You'd think he'd said something spiritual, like build a church or, prophesier, you know, build a Bible school. He didn't say anything like that. He said, no, no, at the end of my life in ministry, if I could just say one thing to you, just one one thing, just one thing, I want you to prosper, and I want you to be healthy. Isn't that amazing that that old, old, old apostle that had known Jesus personally, that had known all the apostles personally, had known Paul personally, had known, I mean, had started the church, the first church, you know, that his greatest desire above everything else on the planet, above everything else, above everything else, he said, I want you to prosper and be in health. Well, now you know, if it's not the will of God to heal, John's missed it completely. If God wants you sick and God wants to teach you some stuff, John's totally missing the boat. But here he is and all above everything else. If I could just tell you one thing, one secret. Let me tell you one secret I've learned in 90 years. I want you to prosper, and I want you to be healthy. Now, why would he say that? Well, he goes on to say in verse 5 and in verse 8, he says, so that you can do good to the brethren and good to the strangers. In other words, so you can help the Christians, you can help the sinners, you can do missions, you can do the church, and so you can be a fellow helper to the truth. What's the truth? The Word of God. So you can help get the Word out. So what's John saying? John's saying, you know, after 90 years old, I've got to figure this thing out. If you're going to fulfill the Great Commission, if you're going to preach the gospel of the world, if you're going to help people, if you're going to do good to the church and good to the sinners, if you're, going to do, if you're going to get the word out around the world, it's going to cost you two things. It's going to cost you some health. It's going to cost you some money. So if I could just tell you one secret above everything else, I want you to prosper and be in health, so that you can do good to the brethren, good to the stranger, and so that you can take the truth and get it around the world. You see, those guys knew something. They, they, they tapped into something that their religion all these years later just has watered down and changed and manipulated and maneuvered. You know, God's used me and helped me to raise the dead numbers of times, you know, to have more blind eyes open than I could possibly count, more deaf ears open than I could possibly count, more cripples walk, tumors die, cancers die, all that kind of stuff because 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 It's God's will. I didn't think that stuff up. God thought it up. I don't go in a crusade and start praying, oh, God, heal some people for me tonight. No, I don't do that. I go in the crusade praying and he's saying, I now want you to go out there and get some people healed for me tonight. It's his idea. It's not my idea. You know, I'm not trying to do the crusade so I'll look good. He's wanting me to do the crusade so he'll help his people. So, we need to come back to the post and realize that 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 Jesus is a man approved of God by signs, wonders, and miracles. Well, the church today, if we want to be approved of God, we need to get back in the signs, wonders, and miracles business. You know sometimes it 's just our mindset just because we live in America and we live in the 21st century and we 've got all the communication and all the you know all the stuff I mean we 're smart folks, we hear a lot of stuff, we know a lot of stuff but if we don't watch out because of that we water down faith you know sometimes it's like well I'm sick I got this symptom but you know I got insurance and I got Obamacare and I got this and I got that and you know and I'll just, I'll just run down here and get that taken care of well that's fine but it, it, you water down your faith over here because you, your first thought was to go to Mr. Obama for help for healing instead of going to God for healing and nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying you, you water down your first choice over here saying, you know what, I ought to get in faith and go to God with this. Right? right? right. nothing wrong with Mr. Obama and him helping people. I'm for that. I'm just saying Do you see the mindset. The mindset is, uh, I remember years and years ago I was in a church. church I, I was again home from the military, and, and I happened to be down at a place in the church, and, and the pastor was praying for somebody pastor and his wife were praying for somebody and, and then right in the middle of their prayer they just stopped and they said to this this lady they said have you got really good insurance and this lady said yeah i've got good insurance I said, well i'll tell you what why don't you just go check in the hospital and and that's what the, i'm sitting there listening to my pastors so why don't you just go check into the hospital and just just get on put your own ivs and just just take several days but back then you can stay in the hospital longer than you can today they kick you out now and uh, uh and and so i just sit there and listen and why don't you just go and you know, go to the hospital and let them give you some IVs and just get your strength. And you just you just stay for about a week and rest. I thought, rest in the hospital? And, you know, after after I left, I ran that lady and I said, uh, I heard what pastor said to you. So you're going to go check in the hospital? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about that. I said, well, how about I just pray for you? How about God just heal you and, you you know, oh, great. Terry, go ahead and do that. I mean, they'd know me for years. know, Terry, go ahead and do so I prayed for him. God healed him. But, you know... There's nothing wrong with going to the hospital and getting some IVs and hanging out for a while with your friends, I guess. But <clears throat> it's just that it, it, you, you change your mindset. You know, and you, it waters down our faith. There's no, there's, no, there's no post. There's no anchor. There's nothing. We go back and say, no, 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 here's the will of God. Here's the will of God. This is what I'm going to do. Y'all stand up with me. If you don't stand up, I'm just going to keep preaching. I said that in a church many, many years ago, and my oldest son, who's now almost 45, is probably six or eight, and uh, I said, y'all stand up. I said, if you don't stand up, I'll keep preaching. you stand up, I might, I might help you to quit. Lynn leaned over to his mom, and he said, Mom, if I'd known that, I'd have stood up a long time ago. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I... Uh, I sure enjoy the things of God. I agree with what Renee said tonight that I believe church is one of God's best ideas. And as I said to you this morning, church is the only entity on the planet that's able to deal in the spirit world and handle demons, handle devils, and uh, change principalities and powers, you know, spiritual warfare, spiritual wickedness, bring that stuff down. You know, we don't just have to sit around and, and, and twiddle our thumbs and say, well, America's going to hell in a handbasket. The church actually could change things. Amen. We, we've got the post. We've got, we've got the anchor. We've got the compass. We know, we know what the word says. We, we've just watered down our thinking to the power part. And we just kind of consider ourselves mere men, mere women, and think that we're just like the, you know, the powerless church down the street. No offense to the powerless church down the street. It's just that their thinking's wrong. You know, it's just like come up in your thinking. Come up. Let's go back over here to what, to what God said. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for notable miracles. Thank you that miracles were your idea. Healings are your idea. No man thought up healing. No man thought up miracles. No man thought up deliverance. That was your idea. Jesus came and Healing, teaching, and preaching. We have to do those same three things to have the ministry of Jesus. We've got to teach and preach and heal. Teach and preach and heal. Teach and preach and heal. So we teach when it's time to teach. We preach when it's time to preach. And we heal when it's time to heal. And then Jesus said to us, Now you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believes baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. And then he listed those signs in their order of simplicity. The easiest thing first, he said, In my name you cast out devils. Well, that's the easiest thing a Christian can do, is, cast, is dispatch the devil on short notice. He said, You speak with other tongues? Did you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you? Snakes won't hurt you, and you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The original language says, hands they shall lay and heal they shall be. We know it's the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. So, Father, help the church in our mindset, in our understanding, that we, we come back up to that level of we we think pray first. Father, so many times people in the church do everything they can do and then they say, well, you know what? Uh, we better pray. And somebody said, well, it's come to that. Well, Father, our praying ought to be, ought to be first. Our, our first thought should be God can fix this. God can fix this. The Word can fix this. Supernatural power can fix this. We shouldn't wait as a last resort and say, oh, God, help, 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 help. Thank you for ministering to us tonight that we see and we understand that, that notable miracles took place and that Peter made it very plain that the approval of God, the approval of God, God's stamp of approval, God's sign of approval is signs, wonders, and miracles. And we are your church. We're the men and women of God. Father, well, I don't care if it comes down to a remnant of just a few. I don't believe that's going to happen. There's 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 millions of us around the world. But Father, we we need to we need a, a booster shot to change our thinking, to come back up, to go back to the post and say, What well, what are we thinking? We're not mere men. We're not mere men, we're not mere men. We're a supernatural people of a supernatural God. And prayer changes things. And the word of God changes things. The power of God changes things. And we're the only people on the planet that has the power of God. The church. So we thank you for it. We thank you and praise you and magnify you and glorify you and give you honor and majesty and dominion. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now just lift your hand up before God. Put one hand up before God and put your other hand on yourself. I know everybody in here is not sick, but there may be a few that are. So let me pray for you like we pray overseas and crusades overseas. We don't bring people up for prayer. We just pray for them where they are, let the Holy Ghost fall on them and blind eyes open and deaf ears unstopped and cancers die. And uh, let's just do the same thing here tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I've stood on crusade platforms literally around this world for decades, stood in front of precious people and called on you, the God of all flesh, to do what I could not do, to do healings and miracles and deliverance and restoration, to do the supernatural in Jesus' name. And, Father, you've done it every time, every time, every time, every time. And so, Father, here I am tonight standing on this platform in front of these precious people. And I'm calling on you one more time, the God of all flesh, to do what I cannot do, to heal, to minister, to deliver, to set free, to change hearts and change minds, to do the supernatural, To destroy sickness and disease. To be the lifter of our head. To heal. To do miracles, signs and wonders. In the name of your holy child, Jesus. And I thank you for it. Now Holy Spirit, I ask you in Jesus' name, fall on this congregation right now. The power of God. Fall right now on every man, woman, boy and girl. In this house, in the name of Jesus. The anointing. The anointing that destroys destroys, destroys the yoke of bondage. The anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage fall on us right now. Saturate us from our head to our feet and destroy cancer. Destroy AIDS and HIV. Destroy lupus and leukemia. Whatever disease that medical science has placed a name on, Holy Spirit anointing, destroy it right now in Jesus' name. Jesus has come to give us life and that more abundantly. And Satan's come to steal, kill, and destroy. So every bit of stealing and killing and destroying in the lives of the people, in their spirit, in their soul, in their body, in their family, in their finances, in anything that they have to do with, in the name of Jesus, get out of there in Jesus' name. Every spirit that's not of God, you hear me now. For I charge you and adjure you by Almighty God in the name of Jesus, whose I am and whom I serve. Come out of this people in Jesus' name. Loose them and trouble them no more in Jesus' name. Every spirit of infirmity. Every spirit of infirmity. We sever your assignment and cast you out in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Now, body, you line up with the word of God. You be of good cheer. Cheer up and be healed and made whole and well and strong to the glory of God. Bones. Be healed in Jesus' name. Bones, hear me now. Straighten, straighten, move, move in Jesus' name. Come in line with the word of God. Every vertebra, every disc, every joint, every bone, in Jesus' name. Father, from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. Blood, healed in Jesus' name. Healed in the name of Jesus. Blood pressure, blood sugar, whatever to do with the blood, healing now. Father, according to Ezekiel 16, 6, command their blood to be healed to the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Command every organ, every organ to be healed, whole, made well, strong. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, renew some organs here tonight. Replace some organs here tonight. Brand new. 2016 models in Jesus' name. That eyes would open, cataracts, glaucoma, stigmatism, go in Jesus' name. That Moses was 120 and his eye was not dim, nor his step abated. Our eyes will not be dim in Jesus' name. Now, eyes, you be open. Be open, healed. And every blind spirit in the name of Jesus, come out of their eyes in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Father, from the crown of the head to the soles of the feet, miracles, power, healing, wholeness, soundness, restoration in the name of Jesus. Body, be healed. Be healed. Miracles in the home, miracles in the family, miracles in the finance, miracles in the name of Jesus. The supernatural. The supernatural. Take place in the lives of this people in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Restoration, Lord. I keep hearing restoration. Father, here in America, when we see hear the word restoration, we think about restoring an old car, bring it back as good as new, restoring an old house, bring it back as good as new. But in, in the Bible, when you restored Job, you didn't bring him back as good as new. You gave him twice as much. You restored Job. When you restored Job, you gave him twice as much. And I thank you for restoration in this house tonight. Restoration, restoration in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, supernatural restoration in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray healing, miracles, coursing right now through people, coursing through their blood, coursing through their organs, coursing through their, their veins, coursing through their bones, coursing through their body. Oh, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing in their mind. Father, we curse all mental disorders and Alzheimer's and dementia and all that sort of thing. You, you declare it in the Word. The Word says, the post says, the ancient landmark say, says that you've not given us the spirit of fear, but you have given us the spirit of love, the spirit of power, and you've given us the spirit of a sound mind. So I command the spirit of a sound mind... On every person in this place, in the name of Jesus, a sound mind, a sound mind. And Father, some of them may have loved ones in, in uh uh institutions of some kind because they uh they're not of the right mind, but Father, they can go in there in the name of Jesus and declare that person to have a spirit of a sound mind and to be lucid, at least while they're talking to them. In Jesus' name. That's an evil. That's an evil evil thing that's not of god thank you for the spirit of a sound mind in the name of jesus oh glory to god glory to god glory to god. let's let's just lift our hands and thank him thank you father thank you father thank you father glory to god thank you father now receive healing be healed right there, name, right there in jesus name right there in jesus name right there in jesus name now just check yourself out if you couldn't see see if you could not hear here Couldn't bend over, bend over, couldn't jump, jump. Dude, you couldn't raise your arm, raise it. Be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God, glory to God. Faith always demands action. So anytime you believe in God for something, always find out, see what kind of an action you can do to act like it works. Amen. You know, I've said for years, told Renee just the other day, you know, something came on me, and, she, and I said, no. I said, I'm going to do what a heal man would do. You know, a sick man and go to bed, but I'm, I'm going to go do what a heal man would do. We, we need to, if we're going to talk healing, we need to act healing. If we're going to talk prosperity, we need to act prosperous. Amen. If we're going to talk blessed, we ought to act blessed. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Now sometimes you don't know what kind of action to take. Sometimes you just have to praise God, and that's your action, because there's nothing that you can do. You know, whatever it is at the time, there's nothing you actually can do. But uh, anytime there's something you can do, do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory. Let's lift our hands again. Thank you. Thank you, Father. See the anointing. God's here. The anointing. God's there to heal. To heal. To heal. Praise the Lord. Some cards up here people gave me. Some says, you know, just healing and prayer, and then another several. One says, uh, pray that I, I can get pregnant. You know, we, we've prayed for so many people over the years to have babies, and they've had babies and had babies. And, and uh, Jackie's book is back on my, my first wife that's in heaven now. There's, her book's back there on the table that calls Supernatural Childbirth. I tell you, there's what we call Jackie's babies all over the world. We get testimonies all the time all the time all the time so uh it, it do you well to get that book and pray those prayers and confess those those scriptures but father we do pray for anybody in the house that is believing you for children or grandchildren or father that we 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 realize that babies were your idea no man thought them up babies were your idea you ordered them in the garden of eden you said multiply and be fruitful you said in Deuteronomy 13, you, you said that there be neither male nor female barren among us. Excuse me, 7, 13, and 14. Be no neither male nor female barren among us. We'll not be sterile. We'll not be barren. You said in Psalms 113, verse 9, you take the barren woman and make her a joyful mother of children. Psalms 127, verse 3, a children of the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Psalms 128, verse 3, my wife's a fruitful vine by the sides of our... Our house and our children as olive olive trees round about our table. So, Father, I pray healing and miracle for those that are desiring to have children or their family members are desiring to have children, that you'll grant to them conception and give them the baby they desire and the baby you desire for them in Jesus' name to the glory of God. And we thank you for it. Healings, miracles, miracles to the husband, to the wife, healing, miracles to them. There will be no male, no female sterile among you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, check yourself out. See what the Lord's done. If you had a tumor? Check it. Growth? Check it. Pain? Check it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Well, y'all are gracious. It's uh, 8 o'clock almost. Praise the Lord. We're going to be at Brother Copeland's or Eagle Mountain this week on Wednesday night. So you can watch that live, two-hour time difference. You can watch that live and then still come to church. So you can just get all churched up. Praise the Lord. And uh, we love you. We're for you. We thank you. There's still products on the table that will bless you and help you and minister to you. And uh, Renee and I covered your prayers. We travel all over the world. We'll be all over the world this year. And uh, we, we covet your prayers. If God wakes you up at 4 o'clock in the morning, it may be noon where we're at, we may need prayer. So we, we certainly covet your prayers and appreciate our friends and partners. So did you want me to dismiss, Mark? You want to dismiss? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Y'all happy? Yeah. Father, bless your people. Bless your people, minister to your people. I declare them blessed coming in and blessed going out in the city and the field, the basket and the store and all that they put their hand to. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Well, give the Lord a shout. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, praise God.